Welcome to the Equipping You podcast, where our mission is to equip Alliance pastors and leaders to live spiritually healthy lives and lead healthy churches. Equipping You is a ministry of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org. Hey, 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 welcome back to Equipping You podcast. This is season six, episode eight, coming to you today from, well, sort of Colorado Springs, former home of the Alliance, and sort of Columbus, current home of the Alliance. I'm Terry, Church Ministries Leader for the Alliance. And I'm Alan, Director of Development for the Eastern PA District of the Alliance and the Regional Multiplication Coordinator for the Northeast as well. Glad you're still holding down two jobs, Alan. Happy to do that. Our producer today is sort of Caitlin and sort of Isaac. We're going to explain all of this momentarily. So in today's episode, uh, we're talking with John Bradley, founder of IDAC. Uh, IDAC is a personnel assessment system that the Alliance uh, used for and continues to use uh, for the last uh, 30 years or more. And we're talking to John today about the value of assessment for those in leadership and ministry. Now, here's uh, the sad news. Between the time we interviewed John in April and uh, the time that we're airing this at the end of December, uh, John passed away. Uh, We just heard uh, last week, recording this in the middle of December, just heard last week that uh, in September he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and then uh, just 10 days or so ago had a stroke that debilitated him completely. And a couple of days later, he entered heaven's gates and he is with the Lord. So this is kind of a legacy episode, really. And we want to honor John today and we want to honor his friendship and ministry to the Alliance. Yes, we do. Uh, the first kind of assessment I ever did like this was IDAC. When, when I went through IDAC training back in 94, 95, they took us through the process of being assessed ourselves, and it was eye-opening for me. The most uh, profoundly impactful assessment I've ever done of many <laughs> over the years since then. But it helped me really understand how God had wired me and uh, why I did things the way I did them in ministry and what kind of ministry. Uh, I really ought to be involved in. And so I have great appreciation for John. He was a personal friend. I had been in training, recertification with him, coached in training just numerous times over the years and uh, grew to love and respect him as a friend and brother in Christ. And as I said, he was a friend to our denomination. Uh, Hundreds of people in our denomination were impacted uh, by this man. Uh, through IDAC assessment, helped and directed in ministry. So we're very grateful uh, for John Bradley's life in ministry and his friendship to the Alliance. So appropriately, in the face of this event, a sobering event, we say, grab yourself a cup of black coffee, sit back, relax. Here we go. (laughs) 
Hey, Equipping You friends, it's Caitlin here, and I want to tell you about something super special that we have launched here at Equipping You that's just for you, and we think you're really going to love it. If you're an avid Equipping You listener, an Equipping You live attender, or both, you need to join our Facebook group called Equipping You Community. We love that on the podcast and at Equipping You Live, we get to empower you in your ministries. But we believe that for you to really see the true transformation of your leadership that you want, applying what you learn in community is key. So pause this episode right now and head over to facebook.com slash groups slash equipping you community. Or you can go to equippingyou.com and scroll all the way to the bottom and click on equipping you community. We can't wait to see you there. And we're very pleased to uh, welcome to Equipping You Podcast our good friend, uh, John Bradley. John, welcome and thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Terry. Pleasure to be here. So uh, many of our listeners may not know you well, so give us your story in a nutshell, John, if you would, your background, how you came to faith in Christ. Some of the leaders who were especially influential in the early years of your career Sure. Well, um, if we want to, if we want my spiritual journey, we have to go back to uh, my college days at the University of California at Davis. And I have to say as a, uh, as a student, uh, things were troubling me uh, in terms of the purpose of life and uh, just deep, deep questions. I didn't have any answers, and it was so aggravated that I was growing an ulcer. I was taking medication, wow. and I had some fraternity brothers who uh, were praying for me, and they were sharing the Lord with me, and I just kept pushing them off. And then it all came to a head, Easter of 1969. Instead of going home, I... I stayed at the house to reflect on things. And I just, I recall getting on my knees and praying and asking Jesus to come into my heart and just straighten out all these questions and issues. And as we all know, um, at that moment, I could feel uh, a significant change in my health and just my overall disposition. Yeah, praise God. So uh, it it there was a physical issue um, in addition to a um, mental and emotional issue in terms of receiving Christ. Praise God. So we uh, fast forward, uh, graduated, went on my way to Vietnam and. During uh, the first year prior to going to Vietnam, I was uh, in Fort Benning, Georgia, and I heard about a Bible study, and it was being led by navigators. I invited myself to go, (laughs) and uh, that all led to a very, very wonderful and very intense relationship where I was discipled. And uh, it, it just was glorious. So did my tour in Vietnam, uh, came back, and I rejoined the family that 
uh, led me or, or discipled me. And that's where I was introduced to my calling. And it really was a calling in terms of uh, aptitude assessment. From there, um, seminary was uh, a key factor. I, I just felt that uh, there were so, so many things happening. Uh, my career field was just uh, starting to blossom and there was literally no Christian influence. And I felt I needed some background. So I went to seminary and lo and behold, uh, found a professor, a wonderful guy by the name of Dr. Grant Howard. And he eventually became a partner in ministry and co-founded IDAC group with me. Okay. Then the rest is history. Yeah. Wow. That's a, uh a really comprehensive story there. I appreciate that. So you tell us, so, you know, why IDAC and how did IDAC specifically develop? Well, um, my quest for seminary was to understand God's purpose for man. Rather than having a Sunday school education, I really wanted to go to the bedrock. And that's why I chose to go to seminary. Uh, I had to get special permission from seminary to uh, pursue this because I was not on the, uh, a pastor candidate. I was on a research, uh, mission, you might say. And lo and behold, I remember a new Testament survey class. We were or an old Testament survey class. We were studying Exodus and we were studying the building of the tabernacle and God spoke to Moses and he said, I want you to build this tabernacle, and I have given you individuals whom I have equipped to do this. Mm -hmm. Exodus 31, verse 6, in the hearts of all who are skillful, I, God, have put skill. And that just, that's like a bullet between the eyes. It was just like, that's it. So that was the mandate. Okay, what are these skills that God has put there? Now, prior to that time, I was aware that there were innate traits, but I didn't know, uh, I didn't have the full extent of what they were, um, what they were called and how they operated. Yeah, so John, it Kind of unpack, well, I think what you're talking about is natural talents by IDAC terminology. Yes. So uh, explain natural talents to us, what they are, how we discover them, and why it matters. Sure. So um, that, yes, natural talents is how we uh, try to define these innate, and we even use the word hardwired uh, traits, as opposed to softwired, softwired are learned skills, hardwired are innate skills. And um, we did an extensive amount of research on this. We, we received a $500,000 research grant, which was designed to build our first major assessment instrument called Career Match. And we studied everything out there that had to do with assessing aptitude. 
And we got, you know, a whole drawer full of tests and exercises and began to sift through to develop a comprehensive list of traits defined as innate. And um, these natural talents are uh, visible as early as freshman year in high school. And once a person leaves home, they then begin to blossom so that the person is more aware of them. And the longer a person honors the talents, meaning using them, the more polish uh, they have in uh, using them. But uh, so you end up with uh, a higher productivity, a higher level of delight and less stress less energy. And uh, as the years roll on, you get better, 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 better up until, uh, let's say, age 50, 55. And that's when you walk through the golden gate of mastery. You become a master craftsman. Proverbs 22, 6. Do you see one skilled in his work? He will stand before kings. And so uh, my passion is that every person experience that in their lifetime. That's the yearning. That's the search. The only way you can do it is to know their strengths and to uh, focus on them as part of their work life. So, John, those those uh, natural talents come in three categories. Talk about those three categories and maybe just give us three or four natural talents randomly so that our listeners get an idea, a better concrete sure. idea of what they are. Yeah, there are 54 talents that we uh, we measure and test that cover the gambit, and they're organized into three categories. How we communicate best, how we relate to people best, and how we function in terms of task-oriented traits. Now, the most common to your listeners would be the talent of preaching or public speaking. There's another talent, totally different talent, called teaching. There are um, uh, functional talents. Uh, I know you're going to ask me about church planter. There is a favorite church planter talent called initiating developing. There's a talent called being creative. There's a talent for organizing. There's a talent for managing your time. There's a talent for athleticism, music, art, and it goes on and on from there. Yeah. So you, you already mentioned church planning. You looking into the future, seeing that coming. So uh, so why do you, would you say that initiating developing is such is such a key thing for a church planter? Well, I, I, I you, you kind of push my button. So I have to give your audience the little history. So this was my introduction to the alliance. 20, uh, 30 years ago, Don Wiggins, uh, who was then the vice president, had Terry's seat, uh, was very puzzled about the multitude of failures. There was a more than 50% failure, may have gone up as high as 70% failure in church plants. And it was, we got to stop this. And so uh, when he heard about me, we met and he said, John, can you help us? I said, yes. Uh, there is one talent you've got to know about. And if you want to lay hands on a church planter in the rough, 
He's got to have this talent. And it's the initiating developing talent. Now, there's some unique properties about this talent that a lot of college professors and even individuals don't understand. First of all, it's very rare. It's not common out there. Number two, um, in that person's upbringing as youth, possibly even college, they could be branded as a renegade or a rebel because they see things differently. They're always agitating and challenging and wanting to do new and different. That sounds like a lot um, of church planners I know. the talent all by itself has wrapped up uh, rec- seeing a vision, uh, being able to communicate it clearly, recruiting a group of people to that vision, and then holding their feet to the fire to get it done, persevering. Now, there's a downside to it. It's usually good for about two years. The talent wants to keep charging, keep taking the hill. What do you do when you, you've conquered and taken the hill? You look for another hill. You look for another people, and maybe that first group is all worn out on the first venture, so you go get some others. And so that's the pattern of the church planner's life. So if a church wants to keep a church planner, they need to open up uh, opportunities to continue planting new things as it relates to the church. So that's a, that's a huge thing. And you can spot the behavioral pattern in uh, the initiator developer if you know what you're looking for. Um, now, because these are so rare, uh, what organizations, including the Alliance, have done is they've come up with alternative church planning options that don't require that talent, such as uh, starting up a daughter church from an existing church. Very, very smart. You do not need that talent uh, to do that. I appreciate your comments there uh, about that transition. Uh, Ed Stetzer, somebody I listen to a lot, and uh, he says that the biggest challenge in church planting is actually the transition from planting the church to pastoring an established church, because your typical church planter is just wired to keep on starting something new. And so that's one of the reasons that we love the idea of churches planting churches, because that allows that planting mindset uh, church planter to say, okay, I haven't just planted this church, but now I'm leading a church that plants churches. And so they're, they are continually pursuing planting, even yeah. if it's not them directly, but they're preparing more planters. They're, there's always new hills to take, as you would say. Yes, yes, very nice. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, the, the, the church planter builds the shopping center, but he doesn't want to run it. He wants somebody else to come in and take over. And usually he's bored with it after about two years, unless there are new opportunities come along. Yeah, so uh, I went through IDAC training, but also an IDAC assessment back in 1994, I think. Wow. 1994, so a lot of years ago. It was eye-opening to me. Uh, Discovering that I had this initiating developing talent was one of the things that was eye-opening to me and, and, you know, you begin to understand, oh, this is why I, you know, do fill in the blank, you know, this is why I always want to blaze new trails, uh, uh, et cetera. So it really a 
uh, a valuable part of my own life and ministry and leadership, John, uh, this whole IDEC system that you developed and helped me understand how God had wired me. In this system, yeah. you talk about uh, the 60-40 principle and the importance of working in your sweet spot and what has happened, uh, what is apt to happen if you're not doing so. Explain that, some of that terminology to us. Sure. Okay, so if you can imagine uh, a pastor's job duties and you draw a box, let's say four-inch box, inside the box are all your job duties, and you draw a big circle that stays inside the box, that inside circle uh, represents 60% of your activities during your work. And it's that 60% that needs to be compatible and utilize your strengths. The, the job duties outside the circle, but still in the box, can be and will be uh, hassle, boring, uh, repetition, red tape, and so on. So to define when are you in your sweet spot, it's when 60% of your job duties maximize your strengths. That's the 60-40 principle. And it's really important for us as we look at, am I, am I doing my best for God? It's not 80-20, it's 60-40. And the euphoria that comes from the 60 is well sufficient to carry a person through the 40. Now, the 60-40 also brings with it a double work standard. We pursue excellence in the 60, and we pursue adequacy in the 40. So you take a pastor's job duties. You've got to separate, okay, I'm going to be adequate in these, and I'm going to pursue mastery in these. Now, one thing, if I can just interrupt for a second, because we did talk about the church planter. There's a downside to that true blue church planter. And while that church planter is out there uh, really rocking and rolling, uh, that person tends to run rough over the hurting and uh, the ones that need nurturing and encouragement. That is not a strength. And you can, at an early age, you can take a church planner candidate that loves the Lord, wants to do everything for the Lord, and run up against somebody who's saying, you need to be that shepherd that takes care and loves and, and goes to uh, the wedding ceremonies and uh, high school graduation. You just kill the poor guy. It's an adequacy. It is not a strength to reach out and do the nurturing and the helping for the church planter. So, uh, John, talk about the person who is maybe, let's say, 35, 38 years old, and they're out of balance in the 60-40 principle. So maybe 70% of what they're doing is not in their sweet spot. What is the impact of that on, on a person of that age, and, and, and what do they need to do? How do they need to respond to that? Okay, if they don't correct this, they're going to lose. There's going to be um, a four-time loss, okay? 
first of all, they're going to they're going to uh, be uh, burning out. They're trying to do everything exceedingly well and they're tired. So they're not going to be using uh, focusing on their strengths. Secondly, so uh, the family is going to suffer because they're tired, irritated uh, when they get home. Their current ministry is not going to be cutting edge. And then the future ministry that could benefit from their efforts is not receiving their contribution. So it's a pretty sad situation. And if that isn't corrected, this person's going to um, uh, go downhill real fast. Flipping over to a pastor of an established church, what are some key natural talents for them to operate in a sweet spot? Okay, if we're looking at optimum, we all know that a big part of a pastor's job is the preaching. That's the big deal. And we also recognize that the majority of churches are less than 200. So the exception to the rule are the big churches. Everybody wants the big church. Well, as I have studied natural talents, the majority of candidates to pastor churches are most effective in churches that are, say, less than 300. And they need to be content with that. There are certain talents that catapult a person to a large church situation. But if you take someone who's gifted a certain way to pastor a church, 300 or less, they'll burn out if uh, the church goes to a much uh, larger context. So we want the, the platform preaching to be there. We want the relational talents to be there. And then we want certain talents that are very effective, such as the promoting talent, which means that the pulpit is going to be uh, very highly motivational to get people excited about the word, excited about doing the Christian life. There's a wonderful trait called problem solving which uh, enables a person to discern, peel the onion, figure things out. Um, there's um, a wonderful, there, there's some wonderful talents called planning uh, uh, activities and programs, organizing one's time. Uh, it it, it kind of goes on and on from there. So what, uh, what are some of the ways that our listeners could access the IDAC tools including a, a full-blown IDAC max assessment. Okay, so um, we have two different uh, types of assessment. The one the Alliance has been using for years is called the max report, but it's really for screening candidates. So if your church is planning to um, bring on a new pastor, a new youth pastor, you would use the max report. But if an individual is listening to this saying, I really want to know how God has hardwired me, then there are uh, two uh, different um, uh, assessments. One is called the Talent Discovery Guide, and it's all online. And the other is called Career Match. And you can learn about all of those by going to our website, idakgroup.com 
uh, and um, just plunk around there and you'll see all the different uh, uh, um, services and traits. There's even a particular site for pastors. Yeah, fantastic resources. And I would say, I would add to that, John, that many of our district office offices have IDAC trained assessors, certified assessors, and uh, you can contact your district office to find out more about that. And uh, if if there isn't an IDAC trained assessor in that district office, feel free to contact uh, church ministries, and we'll point you in the direction of somebody who could help you with an assessment. We've got a couple of... Uh, yeah, and, and Terry, actually on our website, we have two individuals, former vice presidents, that are favorites of ours that have been with us for years and years and years. Yeah. And if they click on preferred counselors, they'll go, uh, they can click on uh, Dr. Don Wiggins yep. and Dan Wetzel. Yeah. Great. John Rich is running around out there too, retired and would love yes. to do IDEC assessments. So uh, help is available is what we're saying. So John, as we bring this to a close, take a couple of minutes to talk to the ministry leader who might be struggling in their role, they're not experiencing a lot of fruitfulness or fulfillment, and they're tired of just soldiering on, what counsel would you give that pastor, ministry leader? Okay, well, you know, the typical thing is for somebody to go on a retreat, uh, maybe fasting and praying before the Lord. But I would say square one, most important, you've got to know how God has hardwired you and if you're going through uh, stress or anxiety, it's really important that you have somebody outside of you do that assessment so your bias does not factor into the process. And you've got to take a sober look. God has hardwired me this way. It is his will that I use uh, the strengths he has given me. And uh, what are the optimum areas of ministry where I can utilize the strengths that God has given me? That, that would be my message for anyone who is struggling. Yeah, great advice, great counsel. John, we're going to put your uh, website address that you mentioned earlier in the show notes uh, so that our listeners can uh, access IDEC uh, tools and assessors that way. Uh, let me just say how much I appreciate you, how much the Alliance has benefited from your God-given hard, hard wiring and, and the whole IDAC process. And uh, so we uh, love and appreciate and respect you and really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Thank you. Thank, well, it's been a mutually beneficial 25 years, Terry. Amen. Amen. Thank you, John. Well, uh, great insights from John Bradley today, Alan, and uh, I, I think he's a, he's a gift to the Alliance and really a gift to the church and so helpful to those of us in ministry to think through how we're wired. What'd you grab hold of today, Alan, that uh, you found uh, particularly helpful? Well, I'm thankful for a man that really has devoted his life to understanding how wiring helps us be fruitful in ministry. Uh, I appreciate it. You know, I love thinking about the history of church, church planning, specifically in the Alliance, and I know that we were hitting massive amounts of failures, uh, you know, in the 80s and in the 90s. And the understanding how church planners are wired, uh, I appreciated that 
you know, back in those days, we were attempting what a lot of what we would call parachute plants, where church planters showed up in the community and started with no other people and yep. built his own team. Yep. And, you know, I would agree with John. If you don't have that initiating development talent, that's really hard to pull off. It is. But I also appreciated that he, you know, made sure we understood that if he's if a, a daughter church, which is the way we prefer to do it nowadays, uh, a daughter church is sending out a group of people with a planter, that person doesn't have to have that uh, initiating developing talent. Uh, there are certainly other things wiring that's helpful to them. But t- to us, you know, having a greenhouse residency that can prepare a church planter uh, gives them some experience times, helps them to build a core team from the church that's sending them out. All those things make their chances of fruitfulness way higher. And I believe that uh, that allows us to plant all kinds of churches with all kinds of church planters to reach all kinds of people. So, uh, you know, I think it's great to think through these things uh, and these assessments offer us all kinds of valuable insights. Good word, Alan. So uh, take advantage of uh, IDAC resources. Look in the show notes for that website address. Contact your district office. If we can help in any way, contact us. We'll put you in touch with an assessor. Uh, I think you'll find it very, very helpful to use some of these resources. So uh, next time we're together, we're going to be talking to Todd Bolsinger, author of a book with a unique title, Canoeing the Mountains. Yep. And a new book called Tempered Resilience. Yeah. So you won't want to miss that episode. Until then... Keep the faith. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and rating our channel. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.